Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. Elliot Danka, Timothy Go, and Chua Tiantian in with you. It's time now to take a look at headlines coming out from the region. Malaysian Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim saying he has no plans to implement GST in the country, as well as Thailand imposing a $12 entry fee for foreign travellers from June as tourism booms. On the line to give us some analysis is Dr. O.A. Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Good afternoon, Dr. O. How are you doing? Good afternoon to all of you. Yeah, let's look at some of these nas- uh, national and also uh, regional issues. <laughs> Indeed, regional, because uh, I know you're at the airport now, traveling, jet setter, taking a look at political situations. So let's start with one from Malaysia. Uh, the Prime Minister over there, Anwar Ibrahim, saying that the country has no plans to implement GST or any other broad-based consumption tax. Um, in your opinion, when you consider that the country has debt issues, uh, is is this a wise move? Well, indeed, uh, GST uh, would bring in more revenues for the government. And with more revenues, you could uh, probably pay off uh, the debt or at least uh, the interest for such uh, debts, right? Mm. But unfortunately, Malaysia is also just recovering from the coronavirus pandemic. And I think a lot of consumers, uh, they are already facing a lot of socioeconomic uh, hardship. So prices are very high nowadays, for example, and uh, I think people could ill afford, uh, at least in Malaysia, to pay uh, more of this, uh, well, I mean, taxes uh, on top of the already very high uh, ta- uh, prices. Yeah, the so inflation why, issue, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, but yeah. I mean, I know he's, he's also recently defended his decision to hold on to the country's finance portfolio. So as a finance minister, but at the same time, you're also the prime minister. This is a little bit of, I don't know, like gaining favour with, uh, when you consider it's a new government, right? Well, I, I think that's why, uh, you know, during the campaigning, sometimes you should not uh, overpromise, right? <laughs> uh, well, it, it has been a tradition, in fact, since uh, Anwar uh, left the political scene 25 years ago that the Prime Minister of the day typically would pick up also the finance portfolio huh, with the exception of the perhaps the last two. Then, uh, of course, then uh, the, the Pakatan Harapan mm. coalition led by Anwar, they, they promised that they are going to separate the two uh, portfolios, the Prime Minister one as well as the Finance one. And uh, thereby, well, now that he is Prime Minister, he is taking up the Finance portfolio portfolio. Yeah. So the opposition, of course, will have a heyday making an issue out of it. Yeah, yeah. it looks like the he's going to have to continue to defend this uh, position in, in that sense. Um, but uh, Mr. Anwar's daughter, uh, Nurul Iza Anwar, no longer serving as his senior economic and finance advisor. Uh, could you fill us in on, on what happened there? I mean, last week we did talk about this. Is, is it a case of, you know, the backlash getting to her? Uh, yeah, definitely, because uh, again, I think the opposition is making full uh, advantage of this, uh, saying that it's a typical uh, practice in nepotism, to, that Anwar should not have uh, appointed uh, one of his family members uh, to such a, a senior positions and uh, so on. And at first, Anwar defended that decision for, I think, a week or two. Yeah. But I think by now, it's uh, it's simply taking too much of uh, 
his uh, energy away from other matters. So I think uh, Nuru as such uh, resigned. Mm, yeah, yeah better, more important things to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. Dr. Oh, I mm-hmm. want to move to Indonesia, uh, where Indonesia and China have agreed to a budget overrun of 18 trillion rupiah. So that's uh, about 1.2 billion US dollars. Uh, all this for the Jakarta-Bandung fast trains, uh, amounting up to 113 trillion rupiah. So it was originally expected to cost about 66.76 trillion rupiah. That was like, what, seven, eight years ago in 2015. Uh, the budget's balloon. And what's caused this to happen? And, and how is this going to affect the project's future? Well, there are a range of uh, reasons. Um, uh, the most prominent one is, of course, uh, again, it goes back to inflation, right? Yeah. All yeah. these construction materials are getting more expensive yeah. than, let's say, eight years ago. Mm. Uh, number two, sometimes, uh, you know, like the, when the uh, uh, high-speed rail is passing through some uh, highly congested areas, sometimes you need to uh, acquire lands and sometimes... Okay. Uh, you know, the acquisition price is higher than you thought uh, and, and so on. So, well, this is what we call a revision or a variation order from the original pricing. And, uh, well, if they agree to that, uh, hopefully it could proceed uh, more smoothly. And just one more thing. Mm. Uh, well, this is also a very good lesson for Malaysia and Singapore. Uh, I think we are at the brink of uh, reviving our high-speed rail, right? So when we make our projections, it must be very uh, realistic, you know, as, yeah. as to how much it would cost and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really I, every day I cross my fingers and hope that high speed rail comes back because uh, <laughs> then we'd just be ninety minutes away from a cup of coffee, you and I. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, but we often forget also when we look at these projects, Doctor. Oh, you brought up a very good point: inflation. There is also a case of we lost three years because of COVID nineteen. So even though you look at it as a seven year delay. And it was kind of three years in between. Well, when this idea was first uh, mooted, uh, for example, the high speed rail and yeah. so on, it was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, now that if we were to revisit it, I think the cost would have uh, redoubled. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, how are we going to come up with the financing? <laughs> I think it's a main challenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, talking about costs, um, Thailand uh-huh. is imposing $12 entry fee for foreign travellers from June. Uh, tourism, of course, booming here. I mean, realistically, is this really going to affect our decision to go to Thailand? But for Thailand, what is their thinking here? Well, of course, uh, well, I think it's a very confident move, right? Mm. I think uh, the tourism sector is indeed uh, rebounding uh, very significantly. And of course, being the government of the day, you would try to uh, rip in more revenues, right? Mm. And that's why they're imposing this tourist uh, tax. And uh, as you also mentioned, come on, you're not going to not go to Thailand over, yeah. what was it, uh, $12 and so on, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you happily fork that out and the government of Thailand will be happily ripping it in. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Okay, uh, finally, let's talk about the Philippines. Uh, the government there has launched a diplomatic protest calling on China to ensure its vessels cease aggressive activities. This after the Chinese Coast Guard used a military-grade laser to try to block one of its ships in the South China. To see, um, I mean, were they provoked? Would you consider this a, a provocation? Um, and it's funny, uh, this is happening after Philippine President uh, Ferdinand Marcos Jr. recently concluded a state visit to China. I thought that went well. Is there something I might be missing here, Dr. Oh? 
Well, number one, uh, these disputes uh, on South China Sea's territorial claims, uh, which are conflicting and overlapping and so on, I think this is not going to go away soon, mm. uh, not only between China and uh, the Philippines, but also involving, for example, Malaysia, Vietnam and so on, right? I think they're going to stay. Yeah. Number two, uh, I think we, we have uh, one of these, uh, he's, he says, uh, she says, have a situation, <laughs> okay. right? Each okay. time we accuse the other of uh, first provoking and, and so on. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, I think nowadays uh, China is using increasingly, uh, shall we say, more innovative and creative ways of uh, trying to shoo away the competitors. Right. Uh, you are contesting claimants. Uh, for example, in this case, you have the laser pointing. Yeah. Uh, and not so long ago, you have all these uh, balloons uh, yeah. overflying. Over, over US yeah. and so on, right? Yeah. So they're getting very uh, creative. And also, I think another thing we have to get used to is the fact that um, there's no absolute, uh, shall we say, cordial bilateral relations in international relations right. nowadays. Uh, right. On the one hand, you could do a lot of trade and investments. On the other hand, again, like in this case, on the high seas, you could still run in with each other. We just had to get used to this uh, sort of, uh, I, I don't know how to put it, a multifaceted relationship. Yeah, That is a PC way of putting it, Dr. <laughs> o. I do appreciate your time today, Dr. O.A. Sun, a Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, thank you again. Have a safe flight and uh, we'll see you soon. Uh, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.